it's my mission to spread awareness about the tremendous power of health coaching, especially when it's this particular model of these basic functional medicine principles, but paired with the positive psychology strategies where you're always looking for what are your strengths, how can you build psychological immunity. Welcome to the Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear some longevity tips from Dr. Sandra Scheinbaum. In this episode, we're going to discuss the importance of meaning and purpose for longevity, the need for community, and the need for curiosity as we age. Welcome to another episode of the Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, I have Dr. Scheinbaum on the show. And as the founder and CEO of the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy, a collaboration with the Institute for Functional Medicine, Dr. Sandra Steinbaum is a leader in the field of health coaching education. A clinical psychologist for over 35 years, she was an expert in blending relaxation techniques with cognitive behavior therapy. She taught psychology of eating and the mind-body medicine courses and has run clinics for treating attention deficit disorders, panic, and anxiety. She's the author of Functional Medicine Coaching, Stop Panic Attacks in 10 Easy Steps, and How to Give Clients the Skills to Stop Panic Attacks, a little bit of which we'll get into today. So welcome, Dr. Scheinbaum. Thank you so much for that introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. So you started a company to help train functional medicine coaches. So before we get into that, I think we need to discuss what functional medicine is. And that's part of why I wrote my book as well, to, <laughs> to explain to many lay people that that's even an option for them. So uh, throughout my book, the analogy that I am discussing is more that the fire department I compare it to conventional medicine. So conventional medicine is needed to put out big, bad, ugly fires. <laughs> We're, and I'm happy we have a wonderful uh, conventional medicine or fire department here in the United States. But we don't have um, many patients upon discharge from the fire department. They're not always taught how to rebuild and repair the body, how to prevent the fire that started in the first place that needed to be put out by the fire department. So what those patients need is a contractor to help them repair and rebuild the body and prevent future fires. And I believe that's where functional medicine comes in. We really help patients get to the root cause of their problems. You have another great analogy for what functional medicine is. So can you share that with our audience? Absolutely. I like to think in pictures, and I had seen this um, when I first started my training in functional medicine, and uh, it really resonates, and I want you to imagine that just a room, it's a kitchen, and the floor is soaking wet. It's flooding, and there's a group of people and they're in corners, and they've got their mops, and they're just furiously trying to mop it up because it's really wet. There's a big flood. But over by the sink, they're looking down. They're looking at the floor. But if they were to look up, they would see the sink and the faucet is on. And there's water coming out of the faucet and it's filling the sink, which is now spilling over onto the floor. So they are not looking up. And in functional medicine, we look at looking upstream yep. and then seeing what the cause is. Well, the cause is the faucet's running. So what do you do? You turn off the faucet. 
what might that look like for many people? Well, it could be inflammation. Mm -hmm. It could be oxidative stress where your body's basically rusting. And then how do you do that? How do you stop inflammation? Well, then you look at some things that would be lifestyle changes, dietary changes. So in conventional medicine, which has its really has its place, and I'm not mm -hmm. knocking it, um, each per each there's a specialist for every area, and the focus is on diagnosing and treating. And a lot of times that is really important. If you have a heart attack, if you break your leg, you need to go to the hospital. If you have acute symptoms of the associated with coronavirus, you need the best of that acute medical care because it's life-saving. And then what functional medicine looks at is a more long-term view. Okay, how do you get in a state of really good health and vitality? And how does the bottom, how does the body intelligently uh, these systems talk to each other so your cardiovascular system and um, your if you have a skin condition it might be related to your mood which is related to gut health so mm -hmm. functional medicine is the medicine of why and it looks at all these symptoms why are they happening but basically it's turning off the faucet what what do we need to do to turn off that faucet I love that. I love that. Plus, as you pointed out before we started the interview, the sink's in the home. So back to my analogy. <laughs> Again, something we need yes. to be thinking about. So I hope the listeners, the next time they uh, are doing their dishes or they're looking at their, down at their faucet, this is triggering them to consider functional medicine for their health because we do need to get to the root cause of the problem, figure out why that sink is flooding. That's what many people need to do, and they can't always find providers to help them do that. So tell us a little bit about your organization. Tell us more about you and um, your, your past experience as a psychologist and then how you got into this coaching academy that you created. Sure. So it's a long path, and I, the place that I ended up today is not where I started. And so it was um, often our failures that we learn the most from or times when we are feeling like, what else can I do? And so it's our mission and purpose. So I started out many, many years ago, we're talking late 60s, um, thinking I was going to be a school teacher. And uh, I found out that I didn't do really well as a student teacher. That experience um, was not very positive and I didn't get a good grade and I thought, what else am I going to do? Well, I chose to take an alternative path, go into special ed. So I didn't have to control a classroom. I could have special ed. I could work one-on-one -on -one with kids. Well, lo and behold, my job was actually my first job was in a classroom working with kids with severe behavior disorders and learning disabilities. So uh, that was so, so ultimately I had to learn um, some behavior management strategies and, and I always loved learning. And so from there it went on to, well, gee, these parents really are hurting. They're asking me like, how can I help? You know, you're helping my kids in the classroom, but can you help us um, with some home uh, behavior management? 
management strategies. And in those days, it was very much behavior management, reinforcement systems. So I started leading groups. And that was my beginning experience with leading groups, but also starting to focus on what are the needs these parents have. And it led into a very strong interest in stress management. Back at the day, this was in the 70s, we didn't really talk about mind-body medicine, but I was so interested. I went back and I uh, started to learn all about that. And when I got my doctorate, it was looking at how the mind uh, is influencing the body and vice versa and paired that, which again, didn't have a name at the time, which is positive psychology, where you look at what's right with you. And uh, that was pretty radical for the field of clinical psychology, uh, the idea that it's um, about what's right with you and not what's wrong. Uh, And then I uh, did have many years as a clinical psychologist. And I focused on uh, how to help people through what I had personally experienced, um, which is the power of breathing and imagery and muscle relaxation and what happens when you pair that with changing your thinking and how you're defining your reality and your language, the words you're using, like this is awful, horrible, and you shape change those. So I started integrating all that. So I always loved the power of not just one technique, but looking at what happens if we have a lot of tools and we integrate them. And so taking that, then I added another area to the mix, which was functional medicine principles and nutrition principles, and put that all together uh, when I decided at 65, and that was when my friends and colleagues were retiring, and I was always somebody who had a lot of energy and zest, and I thought, this is, this is not me. What can I do? What's going to be really um, fulfilling my mission? What am I very excited about um, to go out and create, help people create health? And so if I took all of these strands, all these modalities and techniques and schools of thought that I had learned and helped my patients when I was a psychologist with and now functional medicine and uh, put them together. So I created then um, along with a a team and I had a a partner, um, Elise, and we created a functional medicine coaching academy And it's a collaboration with the Institute for Functional Medicine. So what we do is we train people to become health coaches. uh, And we're very blessed that this is online. And we, uh, when we started five years ago, we were always committed to the real value of working virtually. And so that's the model we teach, we're teaching, mm-hmm. and um, it's my mission to spread awareness about the tremendous power of health coaching, especially when it's this particular model of these basic functional medicine principles, but paired with the positive psychology strategies where you're always looking for what are your strengths, how can you build psychological immunity, Wonderful. Yeah, I have several patients I think have who have converted to health coaches because once they've found out that functional medicine has dramatically improved their life, they want to go shout it from the mountaintops. They want to be able to help others. So I, I think health coaches are extremely valuable and I don't have time in my busy practice to always sit down and spend an hour with a patient on their meal plan or whatnot. So I think having health coaches available even virtually is a huge gift. I think that's 
Wonderful. So congratulations on your company. <laughs> Thank you. It's, um, it's wonderful to see coaches. Um, they're really making a difference. And they're able to go out into the community. Um, and it's affordable. And they can lead groups. And that's where real magic happens. Um, because they're trying to be listeners. Certainly. So I recently interviewed Dr. Terry Walls, uh, who's also from Iowa, and she really emphasizes, even to her practitioners, like I'm certified through her you know, Walls protocol, the importance of finding your why and really f- just finding our purpose, because having having that meaning helps us stay motivated to be healthy. And I know that you also strongly believe in that having meaning and, and purposes in life is extremely important, and it's actually linked to having a longer health span. So do you want to talk a little bit about that, having meaning and, and purpose in life? Absolutely. Uh, and a lot of this comes from research on not only on longevity, but research from positive psychology. And when it's also very tied into hope which is a character strength. So how do you know what's like, how do I find it? What is my meaning and purpose? Well, you may start by asking yourself some real basic questions. And these are coaching questions. And they have to do with like, what matters most to me? What brings me the greatest joy? What do I want my health for? What do I want to live for? So it's, it's often a dream. A mission purpose is something that when you get up, like it gives you something to live for. Now, it can be large scale, like having to do with um, a big impact, but it can also be uh, much more pertaining to a mission to serve your loved ones or something that is going to uh, have you know, some, some ripple effect in some way. Uh, and it might be to help out a neighbor, to um, serve your own community. Uh, it might be a mission to create something, even like a, I'm a knitter, like a knitting project perhaps. And you're, there are many people who are knitting and the, the um, example of a lot of people sewing. They had a sewing skill and they were sewing masks. And that's sure. a mission. That's purpose. Yeah. So t- the tie with um, long life or, or I should say life and health in general and survival is the idea uh, that we often find our mission and purpose through community mm. when we are not isolated. And then if you dig a little deeper, it is related to love. So that's beneath it. Um, And that is crucial. Where does this come from? It comes from uh, the teachings and the work of Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl wrote Men's Search for Meaning, one of the most powerful books I believe ever written. He was a survivor of a concentration camp. And what we've had... Uh, pretty, pretty a fair amount of research looking at survival, who um, is able to uh, survive very challenging um, situations. And it's those who have that mission and purpose who yes. are tied to a community and who don't lose hope. So I saw this all the time when I was a psychologist, when somebody, and I worked with a lot of people who had cancer and other uh, very serious life-threatening conditions. And this has been backed up by work from Bernie Siegel many years ago. And it is maintaining hope. 
when you lose hope and there's a trilogy of loss of hope or um, so it's the it's an uh, inaccurate assessment life was terrible in the past it's horrible now for me it'll never get any better it's only going to be bad from here on in there's no hope you know it's like all is lost no hope that is a uh, very very destructive both on a physical level, and there are people like Barbara Fredericks and other researchers in positive psychology who actually study immune response to this kind of reaction. And it's also been studied in terms of emotional well-being, life satisfaction. Very interesting. That was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll echo what you said about the importance of community, and that's how many individuals find meaning and find their why. I once heard you say loneliness kills more people than smoking. So, so right now with the current pandemic situation, I know you're not currently seeing patients, but how have you heard or how may you predict uh, we have lost community and how that's impacting our health through this time? So this calving, uh, the being lonely is a risk factor. It's been documented. There's some studies uh, that this, as uh, people get older, this is an independent risk factor. And how um, can you make a difference? Well, it might be a community. We often think of, well, you have to be physically with somebody, but having a sense of just of belonging and what that might that look like well i have a good friend who had never heard of zoom she never used zoom and she's stuck in a condo which is around my age and she um, was really cooped up and one of the things that gave her the greatest joy that sense of community was her religious service it was her going to her her services this was mm -hmm. a, a synagogue she went and, and she going and being with that community so now she's cut off and what i did was help her get i got her onto zoom uh, and helped her figure it out and she called me the next day literally in tears and said, oh my God, Sandy, that's a lifesaver. I was able to get on and, and then I showed her how to do gallery view. Oh my gosh, I saw all of the kind of, all my friends and the rabbi gave such a, a great sermon and wow, and now I know how to do this. And then she went on and she was helping other people. And so it nurtured me yeah. uh, as well. And so it's that kind of community. It can be a phone call with somebody. It's sensing that um, we, that interaction. And so having that um, many different ways to, to stay connected. And we're finding that, um, that we often think virtual connection, of course, you know, we don't get the physical hugs and it's not as good. Um, but there's been research, this is research in psychotherapy, for example, that the encounter is actually um, just as beneficial. And it can be um, something that we can all turn to now. You know, how can we create this? I had a 70th sure. birthday party and I invited <laughs> people. I had, um, you know, other events, is have a family reunion, have game nights. So um, we have my, I'm in a book club. I've been in a book club for many, many years, like 12, 20 years. And um, that was another example where uh, nobody had, you know, knew how to do Zoom. And um, so I opened up my meeting room, I showed them how, and now they're Zoom. Uh, Express, uh, yeah. <laughs>
could you be missing out on magnesium? If you aren't already taking magnesium, you likely should be. Our deficient food sources, caffeine consumption, stress, and exercise rob us of magnesium, which is an important cofactor for hundreds of processes in the body. It can calm your mind and ease your nerves to help you sleep at night and help reduce anxiety, PMS, and headaches. It can relax your muscles when you have cramps, your bowels when you're constipated, and it's required for energy, hormone production, and vitamin D absorption. If you're interested in exploring more about how magnesium can help support you living a longer, healthier life, and the exact type of magnesium supplement to look for, check out my blog post, The Magnificence of Magnesium, found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash blog. And use code magnesium for 10% off our magnesium chelate product at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now, let's get back to the episode. Aside from the pandemic, as I'm hoping this will pass, can you give some other examples, maybe things like book club that older adults can do to continue to build community and prevent loneliness? Yeah, I think finding what are you, what takes you away? What are activities that you love to do? So I love tap dancing and ballet. And so well, that explains I, your costume last fall then. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, okay. we were at a costume party together and I went as a tap dancer. Yes, yes. And uh, so I look forward to going to my classes. And so dance is very, very good for memory uh, and it's good movement. And then the added benefit, I got to know these people in my class and we became friends. Similarly, I take Pilates and there are some people there. Um, so uh, this, you know, how can you reach out to starting with new activities? Sometimes it takes making that first move and that's where, you know, curiosity comes yeah. in. There. Yeah. Um, you know, asking, you know, their, your, your name and, and what you, you know, and then you ask more questions from there. So it's, it's having um, that, sense of, of being curious. Um, so, you know, we, uh, it's much better to be the person who is the listener or who is curious than be the, on the opposite end. So you will be valued more. Uh, and then the other area, which might seem inconsequential, and I think we might be missing this, you know, when um, through this whole experience of being sure. isolated, uh, but there's been studies, this comes from Barbara Fredrickson's work, she's a noted positive psychologist, and even a chance, like a smile. So let's say you are um, walking, uh, this morning I was walking and just saying hello and, and having somebody smile and you smile back is nurturing. And that's something that I think often, you know, we have been missing. Uh, and because people are very purposeful going into the store and being very mindful of social distancing and very worried. And so we're, and, and with masks, we're not catching that smile. And so it will be interesting to see how we can work around that, how we can still create that, even though we are distancing. Sure, sure. Back to building community. I love that you were suggesting individuals take classes, things like dance classes, more physical activity classes. I have to throw in an option of taking a healthy cooking class. Since we're talking about functional medicine, <laughs> that would be a wonderful option. Um, we have some local restaurants that offer that. So I, I think that would be wonderful because then you're also nurturing your body physically <laughs> with better food. A lot of individuals don't know how to cook well. So that may be a suggestion to take a healthy, truly healthy cooking class. 
<laughs> that idea. Yeah. yeah. So. But I also, I want to go back to curiosity because I have read that curiosity in older people is associated with maintaining health of the aging central nervous system. So I do think curiosity actually has benefits in aging. And I don't know if you want to comment. You already spoke a little bit to curiosity, but do you want to speak any further to that? I would or? love to because this curiosity is in, in positive psychology referred to as a character strength. These okay. are traits that we all have and it, it's what allows us to have well-being. And so we all have curiosity. All we have to do is think back to when we were a toddler, when you're a young child, you know, you go, you're exploring everything and you're smelling and tasting and you're so curious about the world around you. That's what curiosity is. It's a, an excitement about wanting to just take it all in. And it's tied to love of learning. In order to love learning, in order to learn, in order to have wisdom, good judgment, you have to be curious. You have to come to it with, hmm, I'm wondering, I'd like to learn about this. And so it can be applied in many ways. In the social interaction, curiosity about the person you're with. This is what we teach People, when they're becoming health coaches, sure. as a coach, you ask questions, um, you get to know that client. And so you, you bring to those sessions a, a strong, high level of curiosity about what they're about, what motivates them, what brings them joy. Yes. And then um, the curiosity about the world around you, which is uh, when older people and they're aging and they lose that. They don't want to go sign up for that class. They are just staying with their own routine. They're watching the same television shows. They're interacting with the same friends. And, and as those people often are um, entering a state where they're losing those friends, they, they don't have that. You need the curiosity first to go out into the world. I wonder what else I can do. It starts with that sense of I wonder, I wonder, I would like to know more about this person. I'm interested. Um, I'm interested. I'm going to sign up for this course. I'm going to go to the library and go to that lecture because, yeah, I'd like to learn about that. Wonderful. So what other character strengths can contribute to longevity? So the strength that's highly, um, we've talked about hope. Yes. Another one is actually humor. Being able to see the lighthearted side of things, being able to um, step back and laugh. Laughter is very, very healing. Uh, we know Norman Cousins wrote a great book about uh, he had an illness and he was watching comedies, old classic comedy movies. And it's just that act of laughing um, that really stimulates a powerful relaxation response, stimulates the immune system. And so being able to laugh, and that's why uh, we are seeing uh, humor, even in, in dire, desperate situations. Um, people might, there might be a cartoon, there might be a joke, and there's absolutely a place for that because um, this is, traditionally how people have coped. Um, so having humor, being able to laugh. Uh, another one is appreciation of beauty and excellence. Mm. Being able to look all around you and appreciate whether it's a physical 
sunset, whether it's um, something that somebody has said, a work of art, uh, some music, or or a moral like appreciate like true appreciation for an act of kindness, for example. Kindness is another one, uh, and forgiveness. Forgiveness is another mm. character. Being able to forgive, uh, that's that release of anger which is extremely powerful. Uh, so these are traits that we all have. Gratitude is another one. There's a, so much that's been written about the power of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Spirituality, which is really tied into something greater than, than yourself. Perseverance is another one often when times are hard um, and you want to give up. But if that, that sense of per- to persevere and keep going. Um, and all of these traits are a recipe for creating psychological immunity, which we need as badly as we need our physical immune system to be operating. They affect every system of the body. That's so good. I should have taken notes. So I need to laugh. I need to forgive. (laughs) I need to use my gratitude journal, <laughs> trying to remember all the points you had. Those were, those were great. Uh, I do want to transition a little bit into talking about anxiety. And I imagine everything you just told me that applies to longevity likely also applies to <laughs> anxiety. But let me ask you, what are some of the skills that you have used with your past clients to stop anxiety and panic attacks? Let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. So I um, always focused on the power of integrating a lot of techniques. You really uh, amplify each one. So it's not like, oh, I'm just going to go to breathing. And I have to laugh that breathing is now called breath work. Uh, Back in the day when I was uh, teaching breathing and writing about it, it was was just breathing. And I would (laughs) remember or um, if they have children, uh, when their small kids were, you see their bellies going up and down. And I would say, you you were doing this when you were an infant, when you were a small child. It came naturally. You didn't have to take a course in, in breath work. You didn't have to have some fancy, complicated strategy. So it's mainly just slow and low. And, so, and, and how do you get there? Well, you may use imagery. So you're now pairing imagery. Perhaps you're aware of this slow rhythm. You put your hands on your belly and you feel it moving up and down. And then as you exhale, uh, you may imagine the warmth from the breath going warming your heart. Where would that lead? It might lead to uh, that what warms you, what what do you love, um, what creates that emotional warmth and soothing. So uh, then you may have an awareness, oh my, usually when you're anxious, you're not aware that you're bracing, there's a lot of muscle tension involved. So you just <laughs> simply become aware like, oh wait, my shoulders are up to my ears. Okay, I'm going to just you know, have, assume um, I'm going to squeeze and exaggerate the tension and let it go perhaps. And then you notice what you're thinking. And anxiety is very tied in to what we tell ourselves or what we're saying to others. I can't stand this. This is awful. I'm feeling terrible. And then it can escalate to a panic like, uh oh, I'm not, I'm really not feeling good. I'm going to pass out. I better leave. I better um, even call the ambulance. I'm dying. That was me when I had very um, severe panic attacks. And so it's starting with understanding about how the body functions and the fact that this is just your, you mentioned the fire department. Well, this is just your body's alarm. So your house, you also, you have a built-in home alarm and it works really, really well. 
um, but it can't think for itself. So if you say this is awful, this is terrible, or I, I, I'm a screw up and I do everything wrong, and then, or I'm worried, what if? Well, that's a big one, what if? So let's say you are escalating that what if, and it's like putting your finger on your your home alarm system. Now you've got the emergency vehicles coming and uh, they don't distinguish. They have to check every room of the house to make sure um, there's no fire. And it's a very, it's, it responds rapidly. Those uh, fire engines are there like, because they think there's danger. So it's your body thinking there's danger. Uh, but to relax, to get into a more peaceful state, take its time and so it's like system by system shuts down and many people who are anxious or experiencing that physical anxiety uh, don't realize this and so they might say oh I did some breaths or I started oh and I'm still feeling upset well having patience suit so the body is doing what it knows to do it's acting intelligently I pressed the alarm system so now I activated the alarm the fire department came now I have to patiently wait while system by system shuts down, and soon my body will switch over. When then, one final piece, what can you do in the meantime? And this is really effective. You find something that's going to be engaging and distracting. You mentioned cooking. Well, you'd find, you pull out a hard recipe. <laughs> that is going, to create, is going to create engagement where you have to think about it. Um, something, someone that's going to, some way you're going to pull out of those those thoughts that you're having that something is horrible or terrible. And there's a lot of techniques with th shifting that thinking as well, changing what, what if to so what if, focusing on is it happening right now when we're what ifing, we're in the future. Well, we're not fortune tellers. We can't predict what's going to happen 10 minutes from now. So at the moment, and that's where mindfulness comes in, what am I mindful of? I can take a breath, I can see, I can hear. You go to your senses because that's what you're experiencing right now. All we have is the present. Yeah, we shouldn't be anxious of the future or depressed of the past. We have the present. So <laughs> that's what I tell my patients. Those are all wonderful tips. Now, you did mention you had a 70th birthday party. So you're 70 and you look amazing. So I have to ask you, <laughs> since this is the Longevity Blueprint podcast, what you do to stay vital. You reportedly do handstands, handstands at the age of 70 and 250 push-ups a day. So is that true? That is accurate, yes. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> you put me to shame. What else do you do to stay vital? Yeah, so uh, every wet day when I wake up, I just say, today's going to be a good day. And I got that from my mother, who mm -hmm. always said that in this way of honoring her. So I anticipate, I think of what, how I can help to create that. And then I have a routine where I have, uh, I've been doing yoga for many, many years and I have some home poses and it's just a settle. It came from a particular type of yoga, Ashtanga. Sure. I don't do a whole series, but I do what works for me. And I always start, there's three that are non-negotiable. I've done it even when I was taking a cruise or when I was traveling in the hotel. I have to do a handstand, I have to do a headstand, and I have to do um, what's called a forearm balance, um, where you're balancing on your forehead. Now, um, I can do a handstand against the wall, so I don't want to um, say that I, <laughs> I'm one of those that can be in the middle of the room and walk on my hands and do that. Uh, so I'm at the wall, I can do a 
uh, the headstand I, I mastered in the middle of the room. And so then I add on, there are some other poses, I energizing poses like back bends. Um, and I love to, to do back bends. And so I have this sequence. And then about a year ago, I'm very concerned with strength. I really think that it's one of the number one issue. I don't, I'm just determined I'm not going to be frail. Yeah. And I could be because I'm, I have, I don't weigh a lot and I have yes. very small bones. So definitely a risk. So the, because I can't go to the gym and I can't uh, go and uh, work out um, in, in places that are not open or I don't want to now because I am in that high risk safe group for uh, coronavirus. So I thought, well, I can do, what can I do with my body weight? So I started doing the, um, the push-ups and I started um, with just like 30 a day, broken into sets. And then I got up to, well, I can do, you know, 65 at a time. And then I add on Tabata style where I'll do 20 more and then I'll wait 20 seconds. And, and then by the end of, so it's my goal at the end of every day. Um, I will keep adding on. And so now that I've done 250, I did 260 the other day. Well, maybe wow. I can get to 270. So uh, to just see, and again, it's the importance of strength training. So I do that. I also go out and walk every day and uh, look at um, in what the movement that I enjoy, like tap dancing and ballet, I uh, love to incorporate that as well. And um, got a TRX, which I love. Um, so thinking of different ways to use body strength um, and um, having a dance background or having loved dance for many years, I'm really attracted to yoga and Pilates. So, so that's key. I think finding things that you enjoy, but not ignoring strength training, because I think there's so many people in my age bracket, they'll just get in, on the treadmill. They think walking is enough and it's really serious to, you know, that's, we don't want to be frail. You're incorporating stretching, you're incorporating all kinds of things. I that's probably why you look so great and feel so great. <laughs> You've given us several longevity tips today, but I typically close the podcast with your top longevity tips. So you can echo something you've already said, or you could give us something new. What would your top longevity tip be? It's focusing on what's right with you and not what's wrong with you, as well as focusing on that for others that you encounter. So looking for, and it's a realistic appraisal, and finding that um, that commonality, and uh, find it's don't forget to breathe, and breathing that warmth through your heart, where you're you're appreciative, appreciative of all that you have and all that's around you. Wonderful. Well, thank you. You are a blessing. I guarantee you have been to many people throughout your life. <laughs> so, tell me where our listeners can find you and learn more about your coaching academy. Sure, they can go to functionalmedicinecoaching.org uh, and they can go to Facebook, Functional Medicine Coaching Academy, Instagram, Functional Med Coach. Uh, my personal Instagram is Dr. Dr. Sandy, as Dr. That's D R S A N D I. And uh, we'd love to connect with you. The world needs health coaches badly, and we're also connecting people with a health coach if they would like to do so. Perfect. I think you also have a free gift for our listeners. So share with me what that may be. <laughs> yeah, it's a simple guide to relaxation through breathing. And it's a, just a little ebook that goes through some of the techniques uh, if you want to um, practice a better type of breathing. Wonderful. 
So I will post as much of that in the show notes as I can. You gave us so many tips today. So thank you for your time. You're an inspiration. Thank you for being a gift to this world. Oh, thank you. It was such a pleasure and an honor to be here. Well, wasn't she an inspiration? Yoga, tap dancing, and all those push-ups, I officially have no excuse for not getting in my daily push-ups. I hope you agree she was an ideal guest for this longevity podcast because she truly shared some different longevity tips. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, not only is the course 50% off, but you also get your first consult with me for free. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I read all of the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, or how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thanks so much for listening and remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.